Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy and friends are resting this week and will return next week. However, we have a leader from our local church community giving today's message. Today's sermon is given by Pastor Billy Kim, Director of Communications at 180 Church and Chaplain at NYU. Welcome back, everyone. Now, for those of us who haven't been with us over the summer, we've been exploring the book of Acts, where we've been slowing down and combing through the scriptures together. And this has been such a powerful discipline to our community because it allows these passages to come as they are, rather than picking and choosing what topics to talk about. And so as a result, the Bible becomes a mirror to our own souls and minds where it challenges us to actually identify, examine, and reflect areas in our lives that we might not necessarily want to address or admit, but necessary to confront. And so as we explore Acts 8, we're going to discover that for ourselves. And so for many of us here who haven't been with us, in Acts 8, We've talked about how Philip went to Samaria to preach the good news of the gospel because of persecution. And as a result, many people gave their life to Christ. Many people came to faith. And it wasn't just a cognitive truth, but it was backed up with the demonstration of power where there was miracles and healings and salvation. So as a result, a revival was taking place. And in this revival, what we will see through the scriptures is that we're going to be introduced to Simon the Sorcerer. And he is the guy that we are going to explore later on. And although many of us might not really identify with Simon's attraction to sorcery and witchcraft, many of us actually can identify with his attraction to power, prosperity, and recognition because that's the real core about what it is. And although we might not necessarily admit that we are attracted to those things, the reality is is that all of us are drawn to it. In fact, even if you look at our culture today, it actually perpetuates the desires of prosperity and power. We actually glorify it. For example, we see this even in our cultural uh, level within our social media. Not only do we follow celebrity culture now, but we actually follow Instagram influencers and TikTok influencers. We love ridiculous people doing ridiculous things, showing off their ridiculous lifestyles. In fact, I read an article where there was a TikTok party house in California, and even in the midst of this pandemic, they ignored all social distancing rules and threw a party where hundreds, if not thousands of people attended. And you know, what's interesting is that people condemned them, people were upset at them, yet they did not lose any followers. They still retained their tens and thousands of followers, or if not millions of followers, even with their bad behavior. And so it just shows that even though we might be upset with certain celebrities, there's something about them that, and what they do is attracts us to them and wants to keep following them because of what they represent. But it's not just in 
celebrity or in a, in, a, in a social media lens, but also in our politics. And the truth is, we follow candidates not based on their character or their policies, but on their personality and charm. And I'm not, I'm not pointing out a specific party, but I'm addressing for all of us where we are not particularly informed of what the what every candidate represents, but just basic basing on of what they say or their rhetoric. You know, we don't look at the journalism of and addressing what both sides is. We we follow and we listen to the celebrity pundits of a particular party and use that as information. And to be honest with you guys, I would say that I am guilty of that too. It, for me, it's not in my politics particularly, but in sports. Because I understand that because rather than reading uh, a journalistic article on sports, I like listening to First Tape and Undisputed with Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless. And are they saying hot, and they shared hot takes and things that are so ridiculous. But I'd rather listen to them because they're more entertaining and more engaging rather than reading an informed article. But it's not just in our politics or even in our our social media, but also it has infiltrated the American church. Because the truth is, even in American Christianity, we are drawn to power and prosperity, and we see that. You know, I've seen ministers come out with smoke machines and convince shoes and off-white t-shirt as they're up on stage preaching the gospel. I see them with and inviting celebrities, not on the stage with them, not because they are fighting for or really embodying Christ-like values, but because they have such worldly influence that they don't have themselves. And so I see all these things because whether we all admit it or not, because we live in this society, we are drawn to power, prosperity, and recognition more than we realize. And you know what? This is not surprising. Because even Stephen Covey, who wrote about Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mentioned this and actually uh, called this out 20 years ago as he wrote this book. Where in his research of, of about values of what makes people successful, he discovered that in the beginning of American history, like in the time of Benjamin Franklin, that people actually cared more about character ethics and wrote about issues of integrity, character, and justice as a means of happiness and a fulfilling life. But it wasn't until 70 years ago, after World War II, that things changed, where it moved from what he called the character ethic paradigm to a personal, personally, personality ethic paradigm where we started talking more about charm, uh, personality, giftedness, and talent. And that's what all these books and articles started to talk about. And to, 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 to let you know, he wasn't addressing that working on your gifting and character and talent are wrong. And I'm not saying that either, because the truth is, for some of us, we need to work on our talents and our gifts. We need to work hard. We need to pursue excellence in the craft that we've been given. Students, is not an excuse to not study and do hard work. You know, and the truth is for me personally, I need to work on certain 
developmental and uh, developmental skills. I need to work on my communication. For some of you guys, you know that I've offended you one or many times. And that's something that I have to work on. So Stephen Covey is not talking about ignoring talent and work, but he's, he, he is saying that what is the point if we are people that are so gifted and so talented and so charming, but have no integrity apparently. And you know, the truth is he was, a, he was a prophet of this day because what we see right now is a result of decades of just our society just perpetuating such that. Why we see such brokenness in a, in a justice system? Why we see such divisiveness in our culture and such polarization has is because we've perpetuated glorified celebrity rather than character. And you know, we can't just point and just judge other people and other things. We have to look within ourselves. If we want to see real change, and we want to see people, men and, men and women of character, and we want to see integrity and justice within our system, then it has to start with us. Our value systems need to change. We have to change about the, uh, and care about different things rather than power and recognition and, and prosperity. And that's what I want to talk about today. So that's what we're going to be addressing. How do we actually move from a personality ethic to a character ethic? You know, how do we move from shallow living and faith to one death? And we're going to go to Acts 8 and we're going to find out how. Hello. Today's scripture is from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 5, no, verses 9 to 25. Now for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent on this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. And that is the word of the Lord. Bye. So the question we asked from the very beginning is, how do we move from uh, 
personality ethic to a character ethic. How do we move from shallow living to deep faith? And this is the first lesson we learned. We learned that we must care more about who we become than what we do. And we see that in verse 9 where it says, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people both high and low gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. Now from the beginning, Luke reveals what type of guy that Simon is. He is a guy of great ambition that wants to do something great and make something of himself. And it's actually to a point where he actually did a good job at it, right? Um, people in Samaritan society, both high class and low class, knew who he was and respected him. Even gave him the nickname and the title, The Great Power of God, which is an impressive title. Now, before we judge Simon, like I said before, there is a Simon in all of us where we all desire and long for some type of power, some type of prosperity and mobility, and some type of recognition where we want to know, we want to be known for what we do, and we want to be known somewhat for our greatness. You know, that's why we go to, you know, schools like NYU, Columbia, Harvard. You know, that's why in our jobs, we fight for higher positions and higher salaries. You know, and I just want to be clear, there's nothing wrong to be excellent and, and fight for greatness in itself. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But what is important to address and I really identify is why you want to be great and why you fight for that excellence. The heart of the motive actually matters deeply. The why you do what you do is actually very important when it comes to God and even in ourselves and how we relate to people. And we, we will see that in the coming verses. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. So in other words, Simon came to the conclusion that God was real. He came to the conclusion that Jesus Christ was God and decided to follow him even to a point of being baptized. But in verse 18 it says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying of on apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Spirit. So Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. So what you actually see is actually Simon's heart's motive and reason for believing in God. It wasn't necessarily because of God's character. It wasn't not necessarily because of who God is, but it was really what God could actually do for him. He wasn't really following the, the God of the Bible. He was actually following the God of prosperity. And as a result, what we see in Simon's life was that, and what we learn and discover is that when you live a life where your paradigm is about power, 
prosperity and recognition, you become a person that uses everyone and everything and even tries to use God for your own benefit and for your own glory. So this speaks close to my heart because I can admit that I was a Simon myself. You know, even as a pastor, I really deluded myself in thinking that I was doing things out of God's glory, God's name, but I was really doing things out of my own selfish ambition. You know, I really thought that, hey, if I follow God, then He would definitely have to bless my life and make my life prosperous. And, and if I work for Him, He would definitely have to take care of me. And so when we did 180 Fellowship in NYU, I poured all my time and my energy and my money believing that, you know, I would be successful at it. Only to see that every single attempt and event that I did would just crumble and fail. I mean, I remember one time we went to, we, we experienced a great turnout in one of the NYU Club Fest. We had over a hundred names. And you know, I really thought, okay, if we have a hundred names, at least 10% would at least show up, right? At least 10%. And so Joe Lou and I agreed that we would get 10 pies for these 10 people. I don't know why we chose 10 pies. Never listen to Joe, he's terrible with portions, but we got 10 pies only for two people to actually show up. We had a lot of leftover pizza that day. But I was really upset, I was really frustrated, I was, I was so annoyed and I wanted to give up and I wanted to quit and I told Doc that. And he told me this words of wisdom when I said all these things, he goes, Billy, God does not care about what you do and how well you succeed. He cares more about who you And he said, will you follow God and obey God even if you don't become great or successful? Will you follow God because he's God? And when I heard that, I hated him for it, but I knew it was true. And at that moment, what was being exposed in my life And what I had come to admit and even repent of was that I wasn't really following the God of the Bible. I wasn't really following Christ. I was following the God of prosperity, my own vision in disguise. And I had to learn that it wasn't about the number of people or the success of people, but really about that, peop that God just loves people individually, one by one. You know, God cares about that one by And I saw that how that has transformed and changed my life little by little. Because just recently, when we did our spot social this past week, uh, some of the some of these students, these student leaders from other fellowships, came by and saw the event, and they were like, "Whoa, this is cool! Whoa, this is impressive!" And you know, like a couple of years ago, if I would heard that, I'd be like, "Yeah, I know. Aren't we so cool and amazing? We're like the best." But for me. What was impressive about that event wasn't the style of the event or the number of people that came, but the type of people that came and the feedback that we got. You know, some of our student leaders came back and they told me that many of the people that they engaged in and had a conversation weren't people in the faith, but outside the faith. They were agnostics, they were atheists, they were progressives that didn't have a good view of Christianity, but they were so surprised that a Christian club could be so welcoming, so loving, so kind, and real and honest. And it made them reconsider their view of who the Christian God is. 
And when I saw that and when I heard that, that made my heart leap for joy because it meant that our club was creating a culture that rep that represented God well, regardless if they come back to us or not. And you know, that's the heart of what this passage is talking about, guys. This is what God is saying, that God doesn't care about if we succeed or how much we are being used. God just cares more about how who we become and how we represent Him. And it's not about changing our paradigm so we could be used to be someone great. But it's more about the quality and the depth of who we become. So we're everywhere we go, that we show the kindness and love and the truth and the grace of God wherever we might be. And the, and the truth is, that's what we need more than ever before. Because when we see our world right now, like I said, it's so fragmented, it's so broken, it's so polarized, because we have perpetuated a society and values that are driven by talent and celebrity. We have perpetuated and ignored character for the sake of people's talents and skills. And this is what we have, that has resulted in. And so I believe that we need to come, as an in, starting from an individual level, to lay down the idols of prosperity and even the ideas of skills and talents, and to focus more on character and depth. To care more about that and choose to live those out and, and follow those kind of values. And so I pray that the Holy Spirit will actually help you identify that and see that and recognize that in your life and my life. And chose and choose that direction. So the question we asked from the very beginning was, how do we move from a personality ethic to a character ethic? How do we move from shallow living to deep faith? That's the second lesson we learned. The second learn lesson we learned is to care more about who God is than what he can do. And we see this play out in the way Simon views God in verse 18, where it says, when Simon saw that the spirit was giving at the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone whom I lay my hands may receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so, right, we established in the beginning that Simon uh, followed God not because he believed in Him, but he wanted to use Him. And what we will see is that when he gets rebuked by Peter, his response also reveals a twisted view of how he views God. And so, this is what we see in verse 20, when it says, Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in hopes that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. So, so Simon's response revealed everything of his faith and his view of God. His repentance wasn't really about really wanting to change. He just didn't want God to bother or harm his life. He totally missed the personal presence of Jesus Christ. And you see, that is really the heart of Christian living 
and why we worship God. And it's not really what He can do for us or if He's going to punish us and harm us. We worship God because we recognize the character of who He is. In fact, C.S. Lewis said it best, and this is a powerful quote, and he says, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. Let me say that again. He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. If you, if you really think through that statement, that is an insane statement. That means, will we worship God even if we are not successful or prosperous because He's God? Will we worship God even though He doesn't follow through with our plans because He is God? Will we worship God and follow Him even if He doesn't give us that job? Even if we don't get married? Even if we don't find a significant other? Even in sickness or even in COVID, in spite of what's going on, will we still worship God for who He is? And what this passage reveals is that if we haven't come to that decision in that place, then we aren't really worshiping God in the Bible or following Christ. We are following something else. Our idol, our worship, is not really about the God of the Bible. It is really the God of prosperity, our own selfish ambition, and our own comfort. And this is what this passage really, really exposes and identifies and reveals of our own theology, our own faith, and our own spirituality. And so then what do we do? Well, we repent, like as Peter said. And I know, guys, I know the past few weeks have been incredibly hard because we've been talking about repentance a lot. But like I said before, we can't escape what the passage is saying. And I think it's so important for our own development and how, and how God wants to shape us and form us because it is only through, the, through our repentance. It is only through of God's mercy and grace that could, we can really see the change that we want and the, and the change that the world needs for us to truly represent it in that way. And so, and, and I want to I take some time to talk about repentance because I don't think we fully understand and our world really understand what it is because it is not, it does not mean saying sorry. It's not uh, apologizing because we got caught. Repentance means an intrinsic place where we there's a turning of our actions, there's a turning of our attitudes, there's a turning of our hearts, where we see the ugliness and the brokenness, and we there's a contriteness where we says, I, I, I need some I need God to for you to do surgery because I can't do this anymore. I want to give an example of what repentance doesn't look like. And this comes from a story of one TikTok influencer that I read in Cornell. And this girl, freshman years old, she was a freshman. And because she's a TikTok influencer, she posted up on one of her stories that she threw a party. Uh, she, she Not threw a party, she was part of a party 
even when Cornell asked her not to do it. They asked everyone, every student that went to Cornell to comply with social distancing laws so that there would be no outbreak, right? But instead, she posted a story because that's what a foolish 18-year-old girl would do. And as a result, she got caught. First, the students started calling her out on it. And you know, when the students called on her, there was no sense of contriteness at all. In fact, she started hate, uh, calling back and snapping back at those critics saying like, yeah, you're just saying that because you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been invited to that party anyway. And it wasn't until Cornell caught whiff of it and actually punished her that she actually came out with the statement immediately after with this quote-unquote heartfelt apology saying that she had a lapse of judgment. Folks, that is not what repentance looked like. There's a lot of deflection, there's a lot of deference, there's a lot of aversion to responsibility. That's not really what true repentance looked like. Repentance doesn't say that you're sorry once you're getting caught. Repentance is uh, apologizing and being contrite because you recognize how much it has hurt the people around you, the world around you, and the people that are close to you. And you see the type of person that you're becoming. And I understand that. Because when you're in a contrite heart, it's painful to take responsibility of your action and knowing that you hurt others. That's hard. That examination is gut-wrenching. Because when because when I was confronted my, for my own ambition, man, the weeks and the months of eating who I, who I became over those years and what I have done and how I treated people was so ugly and so detrimental. But it was the medicine that I needed for God to really work and do surgery in my life. And I, and I share these things to you in the light of this passage because I think for many of us, why we don't see a real change in our faith or even in our lives is because we're afraid to go there. Why we don't see much responsibility in our world and in our generation is because either A, we have a tendency to avoid or our culture has a tendency to shame and cancel. And I'm not for cancel culture at all. See, what the good news of the gospel is, is that it gives us the opportunity to be honest about ourselves. But it has the grace where God comes in our lives in the places where it is the most ugliest, where he says that I am there with you, I am for you, because I see the best in you. And, and through Christ, through his power, through his cross, and that's why the cross is there, the ugliness of our sins and the resurrection of Christ, that we have the opportunity and the power to transform and change, not our just our behavior, but really our heart and our attitude. And once that changes, once that paradigm changes in our life, that's when our behavior manifests. And this is what this passage is inviting you and I to, to adopt, to become and have that spirit and that attitude of humility and contriteness the rest of our lives. And so I want to invite you to that. 
And I pray that we can become people that really hear and listen so that God can transform us and see God and follow God, not for what he does, but for who he is, because he is good. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Good afternoon, everybody. We just want to thank you guys for joining us for our Sunday service this afternoon. Before we finish, we have some community news for everyone. And we're going to start off with tithes and offering. As a reminder, you can always tithe through Venmo at Church 180, through our website, 180church.tv, using PayPal, or you can tithe through Zelle and Chase QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram at 180brg, as well as on Tumblr at 180brg. And here we post just a chapter of the Bible every day and a verse of the Bible on the Instagram account so that we can continue to have God's Word present at all times in our lives because we don't live on bread alone, 
but we live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our next announcement is about the prayer text hotline, which you can find at 5397prayer or online at prayer at 180church.tv. Again, with everything that's going on in the world, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And the prayer text hotline is there so that we can lift up our requests, not only for ourselves, but for our loved ones, our friends, and our family to God. And so that we're not praying about these things alone, but we're praying for them in the context of community. Our next announcement is about small groups. And even though we're socially distancing from one another, it's still so important for us to continue to meet so that we can spur one another on, not just in faith in Christ, but spur one another on and encourage each other through the difficulties and the trials that are going on in life. No matter what stage of life you're in, we have a group that would be great for you. And right now, all of our groups are meeting online. So no matter where you are in the city or even in the country, we have a group that would be perfect for you. Our adult groups meet on Wednesdays at 7.30. Our young adult groups meet on Thursdays at 7.30. And our college group, the 180 Fellowship, meets on Fridays at 7.30. If you're interested in joining a group, you can email Pastor Billy at billykim.180 at gmail.com. So finally, we want to invite you to all our social media outlets. Clearly, we are social media savvy from all the lists that you see here, from Facebook to YouTube to podcasts. And I just want to encourage you guys to actually follow along because there's so much rich resources that could actually bless you from insightful articles uh, through Dr. Sammy that he has written, um, especially from Christianity Today, uh, to insightful, thoughtful discussions on the podcast with Pastor Lydia and Joe Lu. In addition to this, uh, we, have, we have a new addition, which is our SoundCloud. And it's a worship playlist of all the things that Pastor Lydia has played throughout this pandemic. So if you've been blessed by any song throughout this time, you'll see it there. Use it as a way to connect with God, to remember that God is with you, and to be blessed by Him and to bless others through this situation that's going on. Those are all of our announcements for this Sunday. We want to thank you guys once again for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.